life is about having fun to me. And luckily I've found fun and passion in what I'm doing uh, on the business side of my life. But I'm also finding a lot of fun meeting new people, doing new things. And so I think the advice that I would give to anyone, regardless of age, it's never too late to, to look and say, I, I want to do more things. Um, it would just be just just say yes. Get out of your comfort zone and don't don't don't. If you're comfortable, you're you're. It's fine to be comfortable every once in a while, but don't 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 let it hold you back from trying new things, learning new skills, meeting new people, whatever it is, because it opens up a world of possibility. This week, I was able to sit down with Cole Milligan, a Pixie guy and a co-founder of 23.5, a company that offers creative and marketing services that include branding and design, web design, video production, photography, SEO, social media, copywriting, and advertising. This is another fun look into the entrepreneurial world. We talk about his experience in the Fixie community that includes him and his buddies flying to NYC to chase a life and riding bikes with bike messengers, the famous 999 ride in Salt Lake City, life in the creative industry, and the importance of saying yes in life to experience as much as you can and learning the proper time to start saying no. Had a great time with Cole on this one. Thank you for being here and hope you enjoy the conversation today. How the hell are you? Good. How are you? Dude, doing great. The weather's warming up, so. Yeah, it is nice, except I think we're getting a big storm next week coming in from Cali. Dude, it never ends. It doesn't seem like right now. It doesn't end, <laughs> but if you're a skier, I guess you do like it. Yeah, I get, I'm going skiing tomorrow. So, oh, you are? Where are you yeah. going? Yeah. Um, Hell's Gate, Kular. In um, uh, Wyoming? I think it's right here. So I got a call this morning to go help shoot on it. Never heard of it. Oh, maybe I'm getting the name wrong. I don't even know. I don't but know. But we're meeting up at like 4 a.m. Filming this guy. He's got to like repel in. So it's kind of intense. Uh, skinning? Up? Yeah. So I'm going up on the uh, ridge line with him. And uh, we'll see. Nice. What happens. Nice. That's a whole dedication kind of thing, 4 a.m. Yeah. Heavy packs and... Yeah, big skin in the morning. But, yeah. Yeah, dude. What have you been up to? What's uh, going on? I mean, just working a ton, working on improving my brand, our, our services, but then always having a good time. Yeah. That's my number one thing is uh-huh. making sure that I'm having fun because if I'm not, I'm not doing what I want. Yeah. So lots of skiing, lots of biking when I can, when it's warm. Yeah. Uh, Repelling trying to get just out doing stuff because once you get locked into an office it's uh it's a whole different life in here yeah it really is so yeah like right now kind of describe where we're at and yeah the studio space that y'all are working in yeah so we're 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 at moto studios mm-hmm. which is uh in bluffdale bluffdale utah um 20 30 minutes south of, of salt lake um and my company 23.5 we moved in here October of 2022. Like a month after I moved out. Yeah. yeah just yep. swap places. <laughs> yeah, we did. Came in here, painted the walls, tore the tore the walls out that we didn't want. And uh, yeah, now we just hang out here, hang out with the Moto guys. They play yeah, a lot of foosball. Yeah. <laughs> foosball, sports. And obviously we get to see all the cool shoots that they're doing because they're way into the photo video side of things where we're not necessarily. Yeah. So yeah, what's 23.5 and... What do you do there? Yeah, 23.5 is a creative marketing agency. Our direction is more towards uh, customer journey optimization and creating a branded customer journey so that you don't get a disconnect between, you know, when you see an ad and it's like a really cool ad and then you get over to their website and it's like 
made in 2004 on Wix or something <laughs> okay. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like connecting the the dots there and making sure that it's a consistent and cohesive experience. Okay. So a lot of web work, graphic design, 3D, photo, video. Sometimes we always just go the moto route yeah. when, we're, when we're doing that. SEO, kind of the less exciting stuff that okay. uh, in the creative world, but it's still quite fun. Yeah, I feel like that's uh, an industry where people just recognize it all the time. Like when there's a full brand experience from start to finish, it definitely builds, I feel like, a better like trust oh, yeah. from client to or to consumer. Do you feel like that is kind of what it is? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it just comes down to building trust. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the reason that we went in this direction, uh, we didn't launch in this direction. We've adjusted into this direction based off of our experience because, I mean, we were in college, we had a business that we were doing on our own, learned a lot, and so we went into that like very basic marketing, like how do we get a website up? How do we get photos and social media running? Like Mm -hmm. learning all of that along the way. And then we realized there's a huge gap. Like we were creating really cool uh, photo ads and video ads, but they were landing on our website and it was like, whoa, this is a very (laughs) different feel. Okay. And so people just couldn't trust us that way. And so that's when we really dived into like the web work and how we ended up where we are today, which I'm passionate about that. Okay. So. All right. And how long has it been? How many? Since, since we launched? Yeah. Uh, we launched March 1st, 2020. Okay. So right before we lost our jobs to COVID. So yeah. it was kind of good timing <laughs> okay. on our part, but it was kind of a side project. And we were like, oh, yeah, let's see where we, th- we can take this. Okay. And, uh, and then we ultimately decided, like, hey, we lost our jobs. Let's just go all in. And see if we can make this work. And uh-huh. I mean, I don't know. We made it three years, more than three years now. So, so how was that process like starting that through the beginning of COVID? Did, was it more difficult, or was it almost better since? I I think we're incredibly lucky because we lost our jobs, um, freed so up time. freed up all the time <laughs> in the world that we could yeah. possibly need, um, and then we had unemployment. I mean, like we were getting, cause we, the yeah, job yeah, we, yeah. the company we'd started wasn't real yet. It, we had no clients. We, we hadn't filed taxes. We hadn't yeah. done any of that. All we had was the incorporation paperwork and we were just going with a dream. And so we were able to, to build our brand and our business off of the unemployment money, Okay, which was <laughs> convenient, but also at the same time, a bunch of other people had unemployment money. They were getting yeah. their stimulus checks and their unemployment. And so yeah. they were starting their own businesses mm-hmm. and they needed our services and we were offering them at a, at a decent price. So it was achievable okay. for them. So it was actually like the most convenient time. I, mean, I don't think if that happened, I think I would still be doing what I was doing and not what I'm doing now. Okay. So how, how has been like scaling it over, I guess the last couple of years been, was it kind of like a huge learning curve into this or was it kind of a slower thing yeah i think the majority uh the majority of our time has been spent learning there wasn't a lot when we went into this that we knew how to do we okay wow so me and my co-founder his name's jake um he he came here from alaska we met in a microeconomics class in at the u nice um and just hit it off because we were both into photography. That's where we both started. I, I've been doing graphic design and photography for 
five or six or seven years or something like that at the time. And he had been doing photography for five or six years as well. And he was a very talented photographer. And so okay. we just started going out and shoots together. And that's where our expertise really lied was photo okay. and design. Didn't know much about video, didn't know much about SEO or anything, didn't yeah. know anything about web design. And so the past three years have been quite a uh, education journey more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to where we can competently offer these services to people. And once you start learning, your clients want the next thing. They, they yeah. you, you do SEO and then they want you to help on their content management strategy. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, I don't know how to do that, but I'll learn. Okay. And so a lot of hats being worn, a lot of hats being worn. And, and it was, it's been a fun process going in that direction, but it definitely like, you don't know what you don't know until, until it's biting you. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so we realized about like six months ago that we had gotten so wide. We were doing so many different things and we were okay. all of our entire team, six people, we were wearing so many different hats and our passion and the quality may have been suffering. And so what we've oh, okay. actively tried to do is reduce that, is narrow ourselves a little bit more and say, yeah, I mean, yeah, I do know how to set up your whatever, your your analytics software to business manager or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's not where our passion or our true skill set lies. It, it lies more in the branding side of it. And so we've tried to narrow down what we what we offer and provide a better experience. So it's just kind of a learning. I mean, there's creative learning and then there's business learning and you kind of just go through both. So it's been a very gradual, but. Yeah, it it almost sounds like you got to a point where you have to start saying no to certain. I feel like that, like I've had that experience and it's like kind of hard because it's like making it for a while. It's just like you have to take everything. And then you want to just keep that mentality. And then it's kind of hard to turn it away because in like freelance, it's like, when's the next one going to come down? So I better just schedule everyone I can. So was it, was it kind of that, that it, type of transition? Exactly. It's it's going from the freelance mentality uh, mm-hmm. where we were doing that already. Like we were yeah. doing product photography on a freelance basis. And so we were in the yes mentality. We, yeah. How can we how can we get more, more, more? And not really thinking about the long-term value. And yeah. so, yeah, it's a shift between freelance mentality and then learning to say, no and stand your ground and mm-hmm. say we're not going to do that even though we can yeah there's someone that's better equipped and, and more knowledgeable about that that mm-hmm. we'd rather have them do it and maybe work coincide with them yeah because then sometimes you take those clients and then like another opportunity comes shortly after and you're like, oh man exactly yeah i feel like when you start saying no it's like things just are provided and the work that you want to work with starts coming out yeah and don't get me wrong my big motto is yes uh-huh I, I, yes to every opportunity, whether it's business, education, doing the fun things. Because you're going to learn no matter what. Yeah. Like the experience is going to be yeah. really wild. Exactly. <laughs> and so, like, I'm a big proponent of the word yes. Um, yeah. And I've talked about it for years and years and years, even before we started anything, any company. Um, but it becomes, it, you have to recognize when the yes is no longer valuing, valuing your mm. progression and I think that's a tough thing for me to accept. And a lot of people that might have the same mentality is yes is great while you're learning. But then once you get to a point where you don't need to always say yes, saying no is what you have to learn how to do next. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. So with like creating brands and kind of changing that experience for companies, 
um, what are some of the brands that do you take inspiration from or brands you look at like they have nailed like the customer experience yeah um i was just talking about this uh with my my twin brother um and me and him have a very very similar design sense and style um and so when we look at brands that that are coming to work with us we know how we would shape them in our heads and obviously you have to look at at what they want as well yeah but after doing this for three years really investing lots of time into the education side of like understanding what makes a good brand and Mm -hmm. and knowing why trends go in a way they go right now like a trend that you everyone is used to is you scroll through instagram you're going to see a purple product on a purple background all of it's the same monochromatic kind of look and like that's a trend and when they first started coming out i was like yeah that looked cool but what what, why and so a lot of it is understanding the the reason behind it and understanding why we would try and follow that direction so okay some of the brands that we like look up to obviously there's big ones in the in the space i mean Mm -hmm. apple i think they're the branding the branding royalty yeah they no matter much better yeah yeah you you know when it's apple and you know when someone's trying to copy apple because it's their style they've created a brand that everyone can recognize all around the world yeah um so and and they followed the very similar style that i like and it's probably because they influenced me as i was growing up as they launched the iphone and stuff like that i was like that's mm-hmm. a cool sleek looking phone yeah. love the packaging love the unboxing experience when their keynote experiences are exactly like, like they're so those productions are so cool. insane yeah and so like that's definitely the style that like we gravitate towards is the clean bold okay. style mm-hmm. um but we we also have to recognize that there's different needs based on the product or the service that you're offering too. Yeah. Okay. And so like Apple's obviously just the big, big one that everyone, that we think of when we say, what do we want to brand towards? What do we want to build a brand in that direction for? Okay. And so that's Apple. Um, and then the other, the other brands that we really like is Santa Cruz and then Canyon, both Uh, bike companies. Yeah. Their minimalist yet rugged design being in Utah I mean, I love the mountains. Yeah. Actually, I like the desert more than uh-huh. the mountains. So <laughs> it's close by. Don't yeah, have to go too far. Yeah, no, don't have to go too far at all. But taking kind of the rugged design, pairing it with the Apple minimalism boldness, those are the brands that we look up to, and that's kind of what we what we aim to emulate sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know if everyone looks the same, then no one looks different. So. We, we have to be cautious of making sure that everything's still unique, mm-hmm. but definitely drawing inspiration from some of those bigger, well-known brands and trying to implement some of the, the successes that they've had and not reinvent the wheel and just kind of go with what they've got going. Okay. Yeah. And so kind of what, so you gravitated towards two bike companies, kind of what's your experience through bikes and I guess why, I guess why does Santa Cruz and Canyon both stand out? I know you said it's kind of that rugged minimalist. Like when I see Canyon bikes, it's like they're the mo- some of the best looking ones. Oh yeah, out there. Like yeah. they look so clean. And then uh, yeah, just kind of what's your history in that? Yeah. So, um, ten years ago, I would have never said Canyon or Santa Cruz or anything. I didn't get into bikes until uh-huh. twenty twenty seventeen. So, 
I was working at a restaurant, bussing tables, um, and I was getting ready to move up to go to college at the U. And a job kind of popped up and was like, hey, deliver stuff on your bicycle. And I was like, I don't even have a bicycle. Like, and <laughs> I don't know. Like, if you know I, how to ride a bike. I know how to ride a bike. <laughs> I, I, I like being outside. I like exercising. I don't like hiking. I don't like okay. swimming. So maybe this is my thing. And so anyways, I started and it was a Jimmy John's delivery job. So I was working third South Main Street okay. in Salt Lake City. Um, and I started there, yeah, in the summer. Do you know how many miles you were putting down a day? Um, yeah, because I, I used Strava. Yeah. Um, I didn't use it at the beginning, and those numbers would have probably been embarrassing now. But um, towards the end of my journey on, on bikes, I was probably doing 20 to 30 miles per day, five days a week. So that's Yeah, it's steady and just hauling sandwiches around. Oh, yeah. And I was making good money. Yeah. I was having fun. I was doing everything that I liked. Um, the culture in Salt Lake City, the bike culture. Yeah, dude, just being able to ride your bike all day, that'd be a blast. Yeah. You see people <laughs> that work at a different store, different Jimmy John's, or you see okay. someone delivering mail or whatever it is. You start to recognize these people. And so I fell in love with the, the culture and okay. the environment that I was in. And I... I just, yeah, I just loved it. There's night rides and stuff like that. Awesome group of people. And so I was working there and then I was super passionate about it. We were going on trips. We were going to New York to go ride with the messengers out there, like just following them on the routes. It was the weirdest thing looking back. I but I've never even heard of that culture. Oh yeah. Like we, we got off the plane in JFK airport, Yeah, got outside and then put our bikes together Yeah, in the, in the, breezeway essentially of the airport and then rode from JFK all the way to Jersey. Just a small backpack and yeah, well, big backpack and then uh, cloth bike, uh, bike, bike bags, essentially. Okay. Um, so your whole bike fits in there, just kind of taken apart, rode out. Follow mess. Like, yeah. yeah so what, so how's that culture work and what's it like when you get out there? Yeah. It, it we didn't know. We, we, we were just these kids from from Salt Lake that just liked riding bikes, and all of us were on fixed gear bikes, the no gears, no brakes, yeah. kind of. Our moms didn't like it, kind of bikes, um, and so we kind of just packed our stuff. Messaged one dude on Instagram that was out there. He wasn't a courier; he was a baker that just also liked riding bikes. Okay. Flew out there, rode from the airport into Jersey, got to our Airbnb, dropped all our stuff, and just went into the city and just started riding and met some of the coolest guys. I still talk to them. Like, they wish me happy birthday. I wish them happy birthday. I ask how their kids are doing. Like, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. It's just a cool culture. And so we didn't really know what to expect, like, yeah. when we were that age and getting into it. Um, I'm sorry, how old were you when you flew out there? We were 18. That's a trip, man. Yeah. That's an awesome experience. Yeah. No, our families weren't too too stoked about it, but me and, me and six other guys, we just got Sent a it. really tiny Air, uh, Airbnb and slept on the floor, but spent 90% of the time riding around, meeting new people, just hanging out. That and, is awesome. And so that's kind of where we, like, my passion for the, for the biking came in and went out there a couple more times, did the same thing, except now we knew people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and started bringing biking more into the forefront of our lives rather than just a way to make money. 
And so then we launched a business specifically catered towards biking. Okay. What was that? It was a subscription box that sent apparel, nutrition, gadgets, tools, okay. anything bike related. It was, it would go out once a month. It was called street team cycling. We actually sold it, uh, about a year ago. Oh, nice. Um, and it was just like the coolest experience to bring your super new passion yeah. that you were spending a minimum 40 hours a week doing, <laughs> um, into kind of your skills as a, as your passion as a creator. Uh-huh. And then you're also your intuition as a, as a entrepreneur and bringing all those together. Yeah. That's how we ended up on the, on like the bike wave and it just took over our lives and it was, I, so I, it's crazy. not a bad thing. I loved it every yeah. minute of it, but it was, a, it was a trip. It was, <laughs> it was wild to turn that passion into something bigger. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I still love biking. I bike as much as I possibly can. I'm not doing 150 miles a week, um, but maybe 20 miles a week in the summer. Yeah. So. So uh, you do the 999 ride. So uh, I guess if for anyone listening that has, like, no idea about bike culture, especially, like, the Fixies, I don't yeah. think anyone, everyone just sees, like, the old guys out on the road bikes. Yeah, on when the they parkway. think of bikes. Yeah. Like, so yeah, how would you give like a summary of that culture and and then like the nine nine nine? Yeah, I mean I think you can segment um, biking into some pretty distinct categories. There's definitely the oldies that yeah. have their old steel frame and their animals tanks like, they're so and strong. their legs are <laughs> crazy veiny and like yeah. Tour de France style guys. Yeah, and they've been riding for fifty years. Yeah, and, like, there's those strong. guys. There's mountain bikers which. They do really, I mean, I wish I got into mountain biking when I was getting into this because I think they complement each other really well. Mm-hmm. But um, but there's the mountain bikers and then there's just the casual people that just ride around for fun in their neighborhood. And then I think there's hardcore people that go out every day and, and want to yeah, <laughs> devote their life to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we fell into the fixed gear thing just because that's the culture of delivery on your bike. Is yeah. I, I don't know why. Uh, why wouldn't you want brakes? But now I now I don't want brakes. Um, I still can't get over that gap. Like I'm I'm hope, hopefully getting a fixie this year, and like oh. the thought of me just like flying and then all of a sudden needing my brakes, like and then like yeah. I know there's the skidding and like all that, but yeah, I've never done it. I mean, the thing that you realize once you start getting, I mean, it takes it's a learning curve to get onto the fixed gear for sure. You. Uh, I mean, I remember I was riding a single speed, so it had brakes and it had a freewheel, so I could just coast down a hill. But I was living up on the east bench, like near the U. Um, There's some big hills. Going down <laughs> with no brakes. My first day, I got it. We got, actually we went on a bike trip to California before we got our into fixed gear. Okay. We went on a bike trip. Got back the day I got back. Went to the shop, picked up my bike, and sent it down a hill with no brakes, no straps, no gears, no nothing. And you learn pretty quick when your life's on the line. Um, and Salt Lake's not the craziest city, so it's not as sketchy as learning somewhere else. But yeah, but yeah, you you just you learn. So yeah, when you get a fixed gear, let's let's go out and ride because it's a crazy thing. But yeah, yeah, nine 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 is not not one of not a unique thing to Salt Lake. I think there's lots of Thursday night rides. I mean, San Francisco has a huge one. Okay. 
Um, there's one in Seattle and Portland. Uh, been up there. Okay. Seen those. Um, didn't participate in those ones, but it's Are not they a, way bigger than the ones here. No, Utah Salt Lake it, like, has a huge group. It's huge. There's uh, last summer so like, I think there's 1,400 people. Oh, dude. Yeah, when I tell people about this, it's like yeah, there's a bunch of people that meet up for a bike ride. Like, it's hard to explain like, how many people actually show up. Oh yeah. Like the first time I went a couple of years ago, like I was mind blown how many people there are. Oh yeah, and <laughs> I mean they shut the city down for it pretty much. Yeah. I mean it's all probably against the law but, but yeah the how, cops, are you, how are you gonna arrest 1400 kids yeah how are you i mean and there's I mean, there's kids as young as 10 and people as old as 70 that yeah. are out there and like how do you how do you contain that and so it is i mean it's hard to put in perspective what 1400 people riding up ninth east looks like it's and there's all sorts of bikes like some people wear costumes sometimes costumes, lights yeah. like it's a whole experience. It is. It is a whole experience. And I fell in love with that. I, uh-huh. I, I, I was going to move to New York. I was getting, I was getting packed because I was like, I'm going to go out to New York. I'm going to seek a sponsorship. I'm going to seek a different life out there because I love bikes so much. And then, mm-hmm. among other things, like the culture that we have in Salt Lake for bikes kept me. Okay. And obviously, I'm really glad that it did. Um but it's one of those things that lots of big cities have these kind of bike rides. But it's okay. a culture that Salt Lake has and the number of people that show up. I mean, it's right next to the U of U campus. So yeah. lots of college kids come and it's a fresh group every year. Mm-hmm. The new kids that graduated or that just graduated high school that came up and then people that graduated college that are moving out. So there's always new people, new people to meet, talk to. It mm-hmm. gets bigger every year. So it's just like bikes are awesome. Yeah. I, just, I just love them. Yeah, dude, that's the same message that I preach every day. Like, yeah, bikes changed my life, and oh, yeah. I think more people need to go out and just, like, have fun on it. Because, like, oh. when you're a kid, when you're a kid, that's, like, all you want to do is ride your bike. And, like, it still can be pretty much that enjoyable, in my opinion. It it really can. I mean, I think, you ever see those memes where it's, like, this is my generation, and mm-hmm. it's, like, you know, you're a kid, and you ride your bike over to your friend's house. That yeah. ended, like five years after we we got into high school or junior high or whatever yeah. it is and those are memories that I liked I remember I got my first bike and I was riding as much as I could just to get to my friend's house mm-hmm. and going back in your 20s or 30s and doing it again riding your bike to your friend's house yeah that's a cool experience <laughs> it's awesome and like yeah my childhood was going to like the snow cone shack and like yeah. now going with buddies and it's like now it's just bigger distances in a coffee shop instead, but it's like just as fun. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I love the culture of like the European culture and Australian culture of like cycling, and it's like starting to come here because I'm a big like I'm more in the roadie scene. Yeah, and uh, like you know Map and La Passion and like those cycling companies. No, their branding's like pretty awesome. Like I'll check for them companies out. that do it well, especially in like cycling, because pretty boring <laughs> it is <laughs> it's so bland and now, like now these companies in europe especially are like making really artistic like rafa and yeah I've collaborations with like palace and like all that type of stuff like trying to change the culture of like the roadies so they're not all grumpy old dudes well I, liquid death just did a uh 
Oh, I saw some. What did they? They partnered with. Um, I mean, that's the other thing. Bikes are more than a piece of metal. There's people that make specific chain rings. Yeah. And people that make bar tape and people Just that bars. make frames yeah. and bars. Like we have Envy up in Ogden. Uh-huh. They don't make bikes. They Just, make components. Yeah. And so there's a lot of culture that's getting pop culture that's getting driven into the cycling world here in the U S like liquid death. Um, there was a Supreme, uh, collab with, uh, I can't remember which company, but just stuff you you normally see relegated to like the more popular, more like handbags. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, that's the cool thing. I think it's expanding and Europe definitely like Amsterdam. Have you been there? No, not yet. I'm dying to go though. That's, I want to go ride there so bad. Yeah, I, I I rode there last year, and the culture there is crazy. I mean, I hope that the U.S. gets there because it's so fun. Everyone's on bikes, and is it? Would you say it's more than cars? Like more people ride than? Oh, a million times. That's amazing. There's, there's a bike that. everywhere, and you see cars once in a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's downtown, like middle center city of Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure the further you get out, the I mean, Spain isn't like that. And the UK isn't like that, obviously. But Amsterdam's unique with the amount of bikes that they have. It's insane culture out there. And so, yeah, with that culture, like what's the more dominant one? Is it just people on like cruisers or are there like, a, is it a big fixie thing too? Is it just like a jumble of everybody culture in the city and everyone just likes to ride um when i was there i was shocked at the lack of fixed gears but because it's super flat right very flat yeah i also think a lot uh i mean there's laws about them all over the place i don't know what the laws are there but like Mm -hmm. in salt lake you're supposed to have i guess i'm incriminating myself but you're supposed to have (laughs) uh brakes oh um which is a whole argument that I don't even want to get into, but you don't. <laughs> um, but I don't know what the laws are out there, but I didn't see very many. I, th- I think I saw one or two, but uh, e-bikes okay. out there are going crazy. The, like You know the e-bikes we get here, like the big cruisers with big batteries and yeah. the big suspension. They have like a fixed gear or a track frame. Okay. That's an e-bike. And it's, they get you like maybe 10 miles a day, but that's all you need. Oh yeah. And, and if it's just like, like barely assisted too. Oh yeah. And like, cause Canyon made a pretty sleek road frame. Yeah. That's not very expensive. That's an e-bike. I'm like, that's incredible. Like, I think they need to make them a lot more affordable because the, all the They're ones like, I saw in Idaho. Cause it's, yeah, so I'm from Idaho and then there's like no bike stuff. So the only e-bikes I saw for a while were like the top end specialized mountain bikes that were like 14 grand yeah I'm like, there's no way i know uh, what's that uh specialized has those downhill mountain bike e-bikes yeah Crazy and you, can, like, you can you can set your like heart rate monitor to the bike mm-hmm. and so if you want to stay below 150 like if your heart rate starts to get high it'll kick up the battery and it's just like that's insane i yeah <laughs> i i uh, there's so Bikes are like as cool as cars. I mean, I like them way more than cars. Yeah, because they're same. way cheaper to fix. Yeah. Um, like someone asked me the other day, like, "What's your?" I got that classic, "What's your uh, dream car?" question, and I'm like, "I haven't thought about that." I, yeah, so I haven't thought about that since I, I was some 15 bikes before I, I was driving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want. I know some bikes I want to buy now. Yeah, 
but yeah. and so kind of big outdoorsy in all the sports the big skier yeah big skier um so did, did branding and like marketing and that culture did that influence you kind of getting into this industry i don't know i don't know if it directly pushed me into into what i'm doing now i think i mean my mom was was the type to kick us out and say go go, go ride your bike go uh, ride some rollerblades okay. go go do something mm-hmm. and come back in when when dinner's ready um and i don't think that's totally uncommon but i i think a lot of people didn't get that experience and so uh growing up it was a big part of of my world to go out and do things so we'd go that's camping. ingrained super yeah we have a bunch of siblings I have a, a, a twin brother and then an older brother and a little brother. Okay. So did y'all just always hang outside? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Always I, had friends to do stuff with? We're all within 18 months of each other. Oh, wow. Um, That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, obviously I'm four minutes apart from one, 18 yeah. months <laughs> older than one and 18 months younger than one. And so we, and we all are very different. Uh, very different. I don't think anyone would pin us as as brothers okay. um, right off the bat, but but we all did spend a lot of time outside. Whether we were jumping on the trampoline or building tracks for our our contraptions we'd make with yeah. razor scooters <laughs> or whatever, and then we'd go camping a ton. Okay. And so, like, just the outdoor culture got ingrained in me, mm-hmm. and so my passion for going to do new things, I think is really what, uh, really what drove me to say yes to do a lot of the stuff that I'm doing now. Cause there was a stuff that I didn't want to do. I would go repelling yeah. when I was 11, 12, 13 or whatever. And that's scary. And lots of, lots of kids that I was with, cause I was there with like the scouts. Okay. Um, yeah. and a lot of the kids that were there just didn't want to do it cause they weren't used to being out doing things out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. and I was and so I would always do it and now I'm just okay doing things that I'm uncomfortable with okay. knowing that I'm either gonna like it or I'm not there's only one way to find out <laughs> yeah it's and better so, to know now than later and yeah I think it just ingrained like that yes mentality that I was yeah. kind of talking about earlier is got to try it to, to knock it so do you have any ones that like stick out of your life that you're presented with that were just like kind of so out there like why like why would I do this and then it ended up being just like profoundly more important than you thought I don't know if there's one that like sticks out that much uh-huh. I think I think it I think it I think it is just a conglomeration of just all the moments over time it's just once a week I was getting pushed out of my comfort zone yeah and so I, I think eventually I was just like, this is the norm. This mm-hmm. is what I'm going to, this is how I'm going to live my life. Yeah. I still try and do it. I mean, you get older and you, there's <laughs> only, there's a finite number of things you can try. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. so I try as much as I can. And this is, goes beyond activities. It goes into business. It goes into relationships, food, yeah, whatever it is. There's a lot you can try. And I think just everything leading up to like when I became an adult, was pushing me in the direction of say yes, try new things or else you're, I mean, this opportunity may never arise again. 
and I'm glad I did everything that I did because I hold a lot of the passions that I did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I love going camping with my friends. Yeah. Um, and being taught how to do rappels and rock climbing in scouts. Like I, I was there last week. We did a big rappel last week and skiing, all the, all the stuff that I like doing outside has kind of shaped who I am. I don't know if there's a single moment that I can look back and mm-hmm. say, Oh yeah, this is, this is the turning point. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, just like a testament, all of those experiences you had when you were younger, I think it just directly correlates into like your company now, which is awesome to, I mean, hear about and see, like you wore all the hats, like you just had to learn to like trial by fire. It's like, well, <laughs> shit, I don't know how to do it, but we're going to figure it out. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, like that's a great lesson to learn just through life. Cause even, I mean, forever, like in life, I don't think it ever just gets comfortable. I nor think should if, it, but yeah. it shouldn't be, in my opinion. That's like, boring. Always, yeah. I mean, everyone has their own cup of tea. <laughs> sure. But true, true, I true. can't stand doing the same thing all the time. Like, yeah. I've loved having new hats thrown on me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, just like the, the variety of uh, experiences and like how different they all are and just like how all those things can be turned into just living a more like fulfilling life and like gratifying life. Cause it opens doors to like to people experiences, like food culture and just gets to shape like your world in such like a broader stroke. If that makes sense. Absolutely. I do. I think, I think there's a lot of opportunity that goes, uh, untapped just because social expectations are, Oh, well my best friend isn't doing that. Right. Like mm. we get into our little clicks and we yeah. get into like, oh, what, what's what am I seeing on TikTok? And like, luckily, yeah. when we were growing up, we got Vine when we were in barely. high like, school. Yeah. Um, yeah, barely. And it wasn't around for very long. Either. But <laughs> no. but we, we got Vine at the end. But like but you the never social, had to worry about yeah, that. You could do what you were doing and you didn't have the, the social expectation from the Internet necessarily. And it's so crazy. I haven't even thought about that for so long. But like, yeah, when we were all just messing around in high school, like there was never, oh, we need to post this on our Instagram story. Like there was a few of it, but there was never the comparison. Because like I've yeah. struggled with that in the last couple of years with being in the creative field and pursuing a life in bikes. Like the comparison is wild. Yeah. And yeah, you look back at high school, it was just like none of that. It was still like pretty carefree. It was. And so you didn't have to think like, I mean, looking back when I was like doing a hundred to 150 miles a week yeah. minimum, I looked back and I was like, I wish I didn't ever even get a car because I want, like, I love biking so much. I lived a mile or two from the school. I should have just rode a bike, Yeah. but everyone had a car and everyone, if you didn't have a car, you were like. <laughs> Like what? Like, like what? How do you not have a car? <laughs> yeah. And like, obviously, like looking back as an adult, you're like, well, that's kind of rude because now everyone can afford a car. Now, now everyone's in the opportunity to get a car. Uh-huh. But in the group that I was, everyone had a car. And so if I would have been yeah, having a bike, I would have been a little bit out there. Um, yeah. There's been like maybe a handful of people I've met like my entire life. Like when I was like here that like doesn't have a car. Yeah. Like we live in a car a car world, world in yeah. the U.S. Because, like, I lived in Europe for a bit, and it was just like, man, you wouldn't need one for sure. Like, the if you need to go to a different city, like, there's buses and trains, too, that are awesome. 
as far as the city goes, and like I vicariously like, live through that through like all my European friends it's in the cycling world. It's yeah. like, oh, I want to live in Europe so bad. Well, like, it's just like so tailored to it. It's amazing. I, I uh, didn't have a car from 2017 to 2022. Yeah. Something like okay. that. So it's I didn't a have a gap. car for a big chunk of my adulthood, early adulthood. And so um, how, was it a weird transition or hard to, yeah. or was it easier? No, it's horrible. <laughs> like in the U.S., it's really bad. Yeah. Like not having, not having things close to you. And so I did it out of like, I don't have a place to store my car. Okay. Um, but also... I don't like my life is right around here. Yeah. But even then it's like, all right, I need to go visit my parents and they live 30 minutes by car yeah. away trying to do that on public transit, which Utah's lucky. We have great public transit yeah. here, but trying to bike there. I mean, you're, you're either getting glass shards in the uh, side of state street <laughs> yeah. or you're on the parkway. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a whole different, whole different world when you're, when you're, only on a on a bike or only using public transit so i uh-huh. think yeah europe has that figured out yeah they got it pretty dialed um both uh with 23.5 kind of what's this year looking like the future kind of where is it headed really yeah you know it's uh unknown um like That's i said super exciting yeah i love when I, I i honestly like love when i hear that answer uh from people so yeah, sorry I didn't. No, no. I mean, it, it is exciting. It's like I said, six months ago we like consciously made the decision that we we're going to start changing what we were doing okay. and providing providing higher quality services to higher paying customers, and like everyone has to start out in the yeah oh yeah five hundred bucks that's that's fine. The freelance world where mm-hmm. you'll take whatever you can get. Yeah. And we had evolved over, I guess, at that point, about two and a half years that we were like, oh, we're getting tired of customizing every single one of our services to meet the needs of these very small niche companies. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what I'm doing. I, I really, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I like to be brutally honest. I yeah. have no idea what I'm doing. I, I'm just going with the flow and it's working. And I don't have a plan for 2023. Yeah, that's the year we're in. Yeah. Um, I don't have a plan for this year. Um, that's it's pre- just yeah. where, where where can we go that's going to keep the passion? Because I think, like I said, if I'm not having fun, I'm not I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so where, what has helped you kind of like keep that uh, balance between taking on work just for the sake of taking on work and then like setting those boundaries for yourself either creatively or especially like between the client. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how do you manage that? Not everything's fun. And mm-hmm. that's something you like pick up. Yeah. When you're running your own thing, like everything's not always. Yeah. You don't always get, you don't always get what you want. Yeah. And so part of it is managing my own personal expectations and knowing that I'm going to have to do things I don't want to but I need at least 51% of my day to be something that I want to be doing. Um, the other 49%, that's life. Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of it comes down to work-life balance. Um, that's a big part of it. 
And then the other big major factor of making sure that I'm having fun and want to keep doing this is working with people that I that I want to and building relationships. Mm-hmm. When you have a transactional type relationship where it's, hey, you're signing this contract, we'll do this, you pay us, let's talk as little as possible. That works for some people. Uh-huh. There's people in this office I know that works for. Yeah. Um, and some clients kind of just have that deliverable turnover yeah. need. Yep. And it's perfectly yeah. fine. But that's going to go into the that's yeah. going to go into the forty nine percent of my of my work day yeah. uh, that I that I want to keep at forty nine percent. The other the fifty one percent I want to work with people that I know them. I know their business. I can be invested in their success Mm -hmm. um, just as much as they are. And we really try and step into the shoes of, we are a part of this team. We are not a third party provider. We are your team and we want to work with you like that. Mm -hmm. Those clients give me a lot more energy to be, be here and do what I'm doing. uh, Just because I feel like I'm not only building something for me, but I'm building something with them. So that's a big, big draw, uh, I don't know if draw is the right word, but a, a, a big idea that I like to keep on the top of my head is how do we keep this at 51, 49? Um, and then work-life balance. I think if I don't go skiing on the weekend, I mean, we have a five inch policy. If there's five <laughs> inches of snow, then That's grandma died policy. or yeah. something, yeah. right? You That's get a, a whatever it needs to be. You got to go do that. Cause like, <laughs> And not everyone's awesome. a skier at a, yeah, at a but, company, but I am. <laughs> um, and so I instituted that policy for me yeah. and it applies to everybody else. And yeah, we amazing. have that kind of stuff and uh, that allows me and the team to, to live our lives because we're not robots. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, our graphic designer, she's, she's taking off uh, for two weeks to, to go to Japan. She didn't have to ask to get the time off. Mm-hmm. She just said, I'm leaving. Here's what I'm going to do before. Here's what I need you to help me back up on or get get assistance on. Yeah. And a lot of companies and a lot of business owners and leaders don't think in the same way as that they want. They want you to request the time off and they want to make sure that they don't have to pick up your slack. Yeah. But I see it as if if I'm happy and having fun at doing what I'm doing, if I get a, if I get the five inches of powder policy. Everyone else should also have the ability to take the time off when they want. Mm-hmm. This year's been a lot of five-inch policies <laughs> days. Yeah. Um, and so if I don't get to go do the things that I like, I'm pretty upset. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody else has those. Yeah. And in the winter, I'm I'm secluded. I go to bed early on Friday night and yeah. Saturday night, and I'm up early to go skiing. And like that's what I like, and that's what my life is. Yeah. And that's what keeps me happy. And if I didn't have the ability to do that, then my work performance, my passion for what I do to survive for money would be severely diminished. Mm-hmm. And so I think having that work-life balance of, you want to, we actually, we have another employee right now. She's in Turkey for two weeks and yeah. she's just doing it Hell and yeah. she's not working. Um, she's getting paid. She's just Having a good work-life balance, yeah. I think, is what sets businesses up for success or failure. Mm-hmm. Um, like when the work hard, play hard is like actually true. Yeah. Like 
great things in life in general, especially in the creative field. Like inspiration comes from living life, not being in an office. Yeah, like yep. you have to experience everything because inspiration can come in like the weirdest places. And my experience traveling is this is huge. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think I think limiting. I, I get some jobs you don't need to be creative. Yeah, I think creativity has its place in every part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um. But in the creative field where you're doing creative marketing and brand strategy and brand design and stuff like that, if you're only seeing what's popping up on Pinterest and only seeing what you're seeing on your drive into the office, I think you're severely limiting your uh, ability to, to think creatively. Mm-hmm. You're thinking like a robot. Yeah. And so... Because you'll just get the brands right around you and the things just in within your bubble. and Yeah. And, and when I travel, I mean, I... Um, if I went through my phone, just you'd see a bunch of random pictures. They look like random pictures, but yeah. it's like something in that picture is something I liked about the design. Mm-hmm. I take design pictures all the time. I'm like, that looks cool. And so, yeah, if you if you don't travel, if you don't get out, if you don't live your life, work hard, play hard, then you're limiting yourself. And if you're a leader, you're limiting your employees. And obviously, we have a very loose policy at mm-hmm. 23.5. I mean, <laughs> it is it is the truest form of unlimited PTO, which is a trap. There we go. I know yeah. it's a yeah. trap. People are always like, oh, well, then they're going to fire you for low performance or whatever. But it really is. They get paid while they're gone. I get paid while I'm skiing. Yeah. They get, Everybody's happy. Everyone gets to do what they want. And everyone's happy. And mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's part of working. Uh, and building something that you want, that's something that always mattered to me. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, we don't just have to work until we retire and just, like, put the head down. And By the time that we're going to be retiring, <laughs> we're going to be, like, 75. I probably won't retire. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're going to be working. I, I mean, how things we'll are going, yeah. I think. Um, well, I just look at, like my, like, my dad's generation, like, my grandpa. Like, my grandpa never understood what I did for work. Yeah. And I remember I tried to explain it to him once and he just like looked at my dad and he was just like, uh, well, I guess you don't have to put your hand in the dirt anymore because <laughs> he was a farmer. Yeah. And it was just that like you had to do manual labor and just work hard every day. And he like mowed lawns until he was like 80 years old. Yeah. And he was just the hardest working dude I've ever met. But uh, it's just so different. It and is. It's a funny any uh, contrast. Yeah. You definitely don't just have to put your head down and work. I think there's more to life than yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. So, And uh, with kind of going in with meeting with clients and yeah, you're bringing in all your talent and your creativity, but then like it's their baby and they have their ideas. And so I guess primarily for like other creatives, maybe like how do you work with that compromise and um, kind of the best way you've gone about working with clients in that capacity? Yeah, we we have a number of clients that uh, they have a vision that doesn't align with our vision. Mm-hmm. And you have to, it's your, it's their business at the end of the day. Yeah. They're going to decide, they're going to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, but we strive really, really hard to build the relationship and position ourselves as we respect your vision. This is your baby. We get where you're going with this. Yeah. 
here are some small suggestions that we, if this were our business, I say that all the time to our clients. If this were our business, mm-hmm. this is what we would do. And that's not to say we're always right. Yeah. And we take risks on our own business and our own branding and our own content mm-hmm. that might not be uh, suitable for some of these clients. But I think if you, I think if you build the relationship with them, that tension between disagreement on direction or uh, or creativity or risk tolerance, any of those factors, if you mm-hmm. have that relationship built with them, it be it makes it easier for you as a creative to get your point across without causing an argument or tension, mm-hmm. which has happened. I mean, it happens. Sometimes you say, hey, this this graphic should look like this absolutely 100%. Yeah. And then they say, no, it shouldn't. It should look like this. You just have to. But you kind of have to con- have some concessions with them. Yeah. Um, but I think the easiest way around that, and uh, we've spent a long time. I mean, I do a lot of public speaking, not in the traditional sense. I do a lot of classes. Um, And like just right before this, I was doing a class in front of like 50 people about uh, SEO and content strategy. Mm -hmm. If they become our clients, they already look at me as the expert. And business owners, unless you're in a creative field and have a creative business, business owners are not generally the most creative people. (laughs) And so you need to position yourself (laughs) as, hey, I'm the expert here. And it avoids, I mean... Let them take the risk with you and make sure that you have that relationship with them. But don't, don't, don't think you're always right. Understand that there's a risk involved and make sure that's conveyed to them. But let yeah. them think you're the expert and that this is going to work out regardless of if it works right now or in six months. Yeah, that's uh, always a tricky line to tap with some people. It is. Because I experienced in Idaho, uh, worked with a bunch of different clients and it's like small town Idaho. What, what part there's of Idaho? Idaho Falls. Okay. So there's like three hours north, yeah, southeast. Yeah. 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 And, East. uh, okay. yeah, like even that mentality, it's just like super small town, like pretty, everyone's kind of the same way of thinking. Um, and it was just a interesting thing to want to do something artistic and go one route. And like, that's just like not even in close to the wheelhouse. Yeah. Type of thing. It's like, well, we can't. <laughs> Like, well, and yeah. if they don't have a, a perspective outside of, I mean, an example is um, like Kalispell, Montana. Mm-hmm. Got a buddy up there and he, his town, which I feel bad always saying town because I feel like it's <laughs> almost degrading, but it is a town. It's a small, Montana is a small, small place uh, in terms of population, but yeah. they don't have... Uh, they don't have a lot of like creative agency work providers yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of what they're looking at is what's already been created around them. And so you have to understand that everyone has different perspectives on this is what I'm seeing directly in front of me. I see this every day on my way to work. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to go that direction, whether or not it's the right direction. Yeah. It works for that sp- that spot that demographic and yeah yeah and so there's a lot i mean that goes into strategy like who are you targeting yep. why yeah what do they like 
Um, and those are important questions to ask when doing any sort of brand work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people get, especially us creatives, we get caught up in the, well, this is my style. Yeah. This is what I like. This mm-hmm. is what I see on my way to work. And so this is what I'm going to create. Yeah. Not necessarily thinking about, oh, well, I'm in small town, small town Idaho or yeah. small town Montana or wherever. And the needs and the demographic and the interests are different there. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of being an expert is yeah. understanding. And I mean, it's a learned skill. Mm-hmm. Being an expert is, I don't think, a classification. I think it's a skill. Um, and understanding that you can be the expert, but you have to be the expert. You have to say, hey, th- I get that that works. Let's take this risk and go this direction, but mm-hmm. have a reason why. Yeah. So there's a lot of tensions that happen with different clients in different parts of the country or the world. Um, have you worked with the international campaigns? We, we worked. Our, our biggest client is a... Um, not to be, not to be rude, but less than exciting, okay. um, telecom company. And I love working with them and they are at least region there in North America. So, uh, it goes into different countries, Mexico and, and, uh, Canada, but that's that's the biggest that we've done. Does that scope uh, kind of grow exponentially once you cross a border? Like, let's go marketing to the U.S. to Mexico, for example. Like, does the workload workload like double, or is it kind of all still pretty fluid between marketing to both? You know, I don't know because this client that we have, it's ninety. 8% US. I mean, that's okay. what the need is. Okay. And so although it's technically all of North America, we haven't spent a ton of time exploring those different markets just mm-hmm. because, I mean, okay. you that's don't optimize your yes. SEO for Bing because they get like 1% of the, the searches <laughs> yeah. each day. So like, it's kind of like yeah. we don't optimize our, our strategy uh, towards anything outside of the, of the US, although uh-huh. they are an international company. So... Yeah, not a lot of experience in that okay. in that world. Do you have any uh, any big clients you like? I don't know if aspire to work with is the right word, but kind of would be a fun yeah culture community to collaborate on. Yeah, um, I would love. I mean, it just goes back to sports yeah. and like my activities. But I would love to work with uh, Chinelli. Um, or people, I, you know, I don't actually know if I'm saying it right. <laughs> it's a Italian bike company. They make uh, okay. track bikes and okay. they make gravel bikes and other things, but they're known for their track bikes. Okay, I'll have to look them up. Um, I would love to work with them just because I'm so invested in their in their ecosystem of products, I okay, guess. Okay, yeah. Um, but I, I, I would love to work with almost any outdoor I just love I just love it. I yeah. just like the that vibe. Um and the other strange direction that we really like taking and we love working with is mm-hmm. is uh, beauty and wellness. Okay. It just aligns with us. It just yeah. like I mean our team is um incredibly diverse. 
all, from all over the world. Um, oh, nice. Three, three women, three men, LGBTQ, different nationalities. Like, we're all over the place. And so having all of that come together in one team, mm-hmm. I think brings uh, a different perspective on what kind of clients I actually end up liking because I would love to just do sports yeah. and, and extreme sports stuff, right? Yeah. But I found it a unique and weird, strange passion for beauty and wellness. Okay. Um, Are you like a big wellness guy no. yourself? No. No. Okay. I, eat, I eat like <laughs> canned, canned chickpeas out of okay. the can. Yeah. Like I get eating's a, eating is not my thing. Okay. I, I do I do the bare minimum. If I couldn't, if I could survive without eating, I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, I think I just have the side effects. The things I like doing keep me in shape. Um, yeah. But, but I don't, I don't meditate. I don't do yoga. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do any of that. I'm just. You just like the clients in the space. And yeah. I don't know why. But I think it's just because the work that our team has been able to do for these clients, I vibe with it. Mm-hmm. I, I like how it looks. I like how it acts. I like how the messaging is. Yeah. I feel like that, that industry is one of the most, for sure, aesthetically pleasing. For sure. Uh, worlds out there. Oh yeah. Like I love seeing their stuff. Yeah. And. We did a we did a makeup shoot here a couple months ago. I, I don't. I mean, even my girlfriend, she's granola. Like <laughs> she doesn't wear that much makeup uh-huh. ever. Um, I'm just like a simple dude, mm-hmm. and so I got thrown into this this industry. Yeah. Um, and I don't know anything about it, and I've learned a lot about it. Okay. And the design, my design style coincides really with it and my team's uh design and and strategy really coincides with the industry and so you just kind of find that passion uh, in a weird spot so actually big companies i want to work with would also be in the the beauty and wellness space strangely enough contrasted to uh (laughs) to a uh to a sports company yeah um have there been any other industries or companies that kind of surprised you ended up being like an amazing experience Lots of amazing experiences, uh-huh. uh, but not uh, not an amazing return on on our time or our efforts. Okay. Um, would be the uh, local restaurant uh, industry. So okay. we've had a number. I mean, there's one client that, if he's listening, he knows that we love him. Yeah, um, and we're excited to keep working with him, but. That's unique. Mm-hmm. There's clients that we've worked with that we love working with them. Amazing experiences. And I grew up in working in food service. That's where I worked from when I was 14 until I was 20. Okay. Um, was food. And so I love the environment there. I think it's fun. The fast paced. Fast paced. Like, like, yeah, yeah, like it, it's unique. Yeah. And, and I worked in other places like Target. And I hated it. Yeah. And so I just love that environment. And so when we got these clients that are in the food service space and restaurants and stuff like that, super excited, loved it. Mm-hmm. Great experience meeting them, learning about them, how to market a restaurant in a very uh, corporate restaurant world. I mean, okay. if you're a small mom, pa uh, restaurant, you're still competing against McDonald's, yeah. Buffalo Wild Wings, and 
Like you're not out of the woods. And so it, it was a fun experience there, but I don't think it provided us a lot of useful information or useful experience to progress us into where we want to be. Mm -hmm. It was one of those kind of, oh, we're freelancing still mentality. Let's just take it. Don't regret it. Just yeah. not where we want to end up. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's always a wild ride and the weird work opportunities that just, uh, like each day, like anything could happen. Oh, yeah. Like in this world, like an email might happen and the next month, like your life is just almost completely different. Like clients can come in and go and it's like, man, it's always uh, a wild it's always a wild ride. Yeah. You know full well that feeling when you get a an email and it could either be life changing or yeah. it, in in a good or bad way. Yeah. Like, yep. oh, this is the email that's gonna put me out of business <laughs> or this is the email that's gonna transform my life. Yeah. And you don't know it's until so you open weird. it and it's a weird feeling. Yeah. It's uh very strange. But I guess um for anyone listening, like I really like your uh the outlook on just like saying yes and experiences, like if you were to give out kind of piece either I mean it sounds like you've always been uh chasing the ass your whole life so not to your younger self but for people to take away to kind of live more and what you found to help a lot like what would it be say yes yeah. I mean that's, <laughs> I, that's as simple as I can make it is we're unless Google comes out with that like technology to keep us alive forever, we're here for a pretty short amount of time. Yeah, for sure. And, um, life is about having fun to me. Mm -hmm. And luckily I've found fun and passion in what I'm doing, uh, on the business side of my life. Yeah. But I'm also finding a lot of fun meeting new people, doing new things. And so I think the advice that I would give to anyone, regardless of age, it's never too late to, to look and say, I, I want to do more things. Um, mm -hmm. It would just be just just say yes. Get out of your comfort zone and don't don't don't. If you're comfortable, you're you're. It's fine to be comfortable every once in a while, but don't yeah. don't don't let it hold you back from trying new things, learning new skills, meeting new people, whatever it is, because it opens up a world of possibility that I I have friends that I wish would follow. Mm -hmm that and that would yep. get out a little bit more and yeah. try new things and I get everyone has different happinesses but I think a lot of people could find a lot more happiness just trying mm -hmm. to say yes as frequently as they possibly can yeah well uh, I think that's a great place to end it so I do yeah. appreciate the time yeah thank yeah, you for having good me chat.